Hey, very good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Sean. This is Alex. And you're listening to Coaster Kings Radio. Uh, today's episode is discussing Paris's regional theme park, uh, Parc Asterix, which is... Well, should we start the history, I guess? Yeah. I mean, we're diving right in. Uh, we went here a couple weeks ago, two weeks ago. Um, it was the last park of our quick little Europe trip. Yes, um, we uh, bookended our trip with French parks, starting with Disneyland Paris and finishing with uh, Parc Asterix. Parc Asterix. Um, this was after we got we, we got our test in the morning at the airport so we could fly back to the US the next day and then uh, we went to Parc Asterix for, uh, for pretty much the entire day. We showed up a little bit after opening and then closed out the park. So what we'll do today is we'll take in a grand tour of the park, its highlights, um, what we thought of each individual coasters. I would say this is one of the stronger coaster lineups in, uh, in Europe. Mm-hmm. Uh, the park has more than 2 million visitors annually and it's really a um, company that helps I think their star theme park. Yeah. This is the same company as Wallaby Holland, Wallaby Belgium, uh, Wallaby in France, whatever the park is called. Um, <laughs> is it Sudes? Is it Rhone? Ronalp? Is it Ronalp? I think it may be Ronalp. I forgot which one retired. Um, and as well as Futuroscope. So, yeah, um, the park was a counter strike against Disney coming to France. So Paris didn't really have a major regional park. Like it had, yeah. I mean, it had, I think Chaudan d'Acclimatation was already open. Probably. But I'm I mean, not was, sure. There was other stuff that was in like a reasonable traveling distance. But um, not entirely sure like what else was really there that was like a once major there theme was park. A rumor, I think as soon as the rumor, like I don't even know if Disneyland, I don't know if Euro Disney had even been announced yet. Well, the when planning, they announced Park Asterix, but the there planning was for Park Asterix started in 1987. It was the construction started. Construction started in 87. So, but I can imagine if, if Disney is going to do dimmer demographic research and buy land just to build a resort on it, it takes yeah. like at least six, seven years. So I think that they realized they could stump out a regional park a lot quicker than Disney could stump out their products yeah. in France. So I think that was, I still believe actively that it was a counter-strike. Yeah. Uh, oh, that, that's, that's t- my understanding is that it was a, definitely a deliberate counter-strike against Disney, even though the park opened like three years before Disney. It just takes so much longer for a company like Disney to decide where they're going to to plant a, a a you know a resort that's supposed to attract people from across the country across, across the, the continent, continent really yeah, yeah. Um, and I know like as early like it wasn't long after Tokyo Disney opened that they were scouting for places in Europe of course they they had narrowed it down to the two locations in uh, Spain and Barcelona possibly, yeah Barcelona, Madrid, or Paris. So, I'm sure once Paris was even shortlisted for Disney, they were like, "We need a regional park that's going to be by the French for the French." Um, yeah, we don't have to tell anyone here listening that there was quite some pushback on the uh, on the uh, Parc Disneyland, Disneyland Paris Euro, Euro, Euro Disney, Disney project. Yeah. Um, so this was really like France's premature, preemptive, um, preemptive, yeah, counter strike retaliation against. Against the American. Now, what the park mouse. is themed to is a, an incredibly French franchise. It is um, Asterix, which yeah, is Asterix the Gaul, um, who in his many adventures um, fights against the rise of the Roman Empire, yeah. and that's what all the stories are about. According to Rollercoaster database, it's set in 50 BC when Julius Caesar was conquering vast regions of France, and. Asterix the Gaul is set in a particular village that resisted the uh, basically yeah a resistance of the Roman Empire. Um, 
So yeah, it's 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 steeped in in French culture and French iconography and history, but it has a very uh, tongue in cheek kind of slapstick approach. The fun thing is that every single ride there has some sort of relationship. Yeah. Two stories that have been released because there's like hundreds of stories and hundreds yeah, of so comics many that comics. came out. Yeah. So um, probably thousands. That is by pretty now. much what the whole park revolves around. I as a kid read them. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was Dutch versions and in French class we would read the French versions of it. Yeah. So I have read a couple. Every French teacher in America has read or even maybe taught um, Asterix the Gaul to high schoolers just to keep them engaged in something that's that's topical his you know history but also uh like culturally relevant and fun and entertaining so when you arrive to podcast Asterix, um right behind the 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 roman looking tents kind of set up where where the ticket boots are um right behind it in the distance you see a giant rock with on top of it Asterix mm-hmm. um, obviously the character the whole park is it's based their around little, it's kind of their castle it's kind of like their castle and, and what's cool is that it's actually part of the superstructure for the Grand Splash yeah let's start with the Grand Splash I, I think that's a great place to start it's really the first it's the first major ride you hit when you, you enter to. straight ahead it, into the it park it was a major flagship um, for the park and what's it, the park opened during the era when, like, the Intamin and Aerodynamics spillwater rides and, like, Hopkins, every park was getting a basic, like, oval-shaped shoot-the-shoot ride. It was, like, a must-have for, for regional the 80s, parks. For sure, yeah. Late 80s, early 90s, like, everybody was getting these. And a, and a, an elite few of parks, like, I could probably count on one hand the number of regional parks that have custom extended versions of these rides, and Park Asterix is one of them. So... It starts out it's pretty straightforward. You go up a pretty lengthy lift, and then the it has the elevated like 180 U-turn around the rock sculpture that Asterix sits on, and then you have a small. Drop. I mean, it's it's in the rock structure. Yeah, the turn. yeah, yeah. It's and then you have a small drop, and then from there it really turns into like this this great scenic. terraformed scenic with like little water water effects and stuff, and then. Yeah, what you should imagine is most of this ride is just like going back and forth on a elevated rockwork plateau yeah. with a bunch of water effects. Yeah, it's very nicely landscaped. And then you pass by some other boats, and then at the end and of that the rock finale work, you is, turn is the, facing Trastehura. The classic double drop, like the intimate spillwater double drop. Into the lagoon, and then you make which a, shares um, water with um, the lagoon for Trastehura. And then make your left turn into the station. So I, I love that ride because it's, it's so unique, and I love that that was... A flagship ride for them when they opened, and still remains a huge, um, like flagship ride for them. A great choice for when you're building a new park and you're you're building for numbers, because this ride has incredibly high capacity. It reminds me a lot of when um, uh, the Grand Slam Canyon, later known as the Adventure Dome, opened in Vegas, and because of that era, it was like yeah, you're building for the early '90s. Everything is all about shoot the shoots now. They're all the rage, so. Of course, uh, Adventure Dome built a large custom one. Room Runner. <laughs> Room Runner. Theme to the Grand Canyon. Especially since uh, MGM Grand Resorts was already under construction at the time, and they were building a traditional log flume and a rapids ride. So an extended custom, like, terraform shoot-the-shoot ride was, was a good strike against that. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's a really unique ride. It's something you can really only get at Park Asterix. It feels like a very... Um, simple and naturalistic sort of uh, like the like I'll, I, for, for people who wouldn't 
be familiar with like a custom shoot the shoot ride, the best explanation I would give is that it's sort of like Jurassic Park River Adventure, but without the theme. It's just scenic. Yeah, it's kind of cute with like jumping fountains and what. I mean, it's something over the top, but it's uh, it's just a pleasant something else. Yeah. Uh, but what's much more exciting, though, is, is of course, uh, Trace de Hura, which is located right mm-hmm. next to it. Now, Trace de Hura is a 900-meter-long um, bobsled coaster by Mac Rides. And one of the most impressive things about this um, is the fact that it has crazy capacity. It runs five to six trains. Um, and... Like Amusement Insider said on Instagram, um, we we put out a little poll, yeah. and he mentioned like we we asked people like give us three yeah. words like describe Park Asterix in three, three words, words, and he's and like operations operations, 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 operations. That's really great about this park is operations really are on point. The lift yeah. hill is generally speaking has at least two trains on the yeah. lift hill, um, which is uh, super impressive for for American regional park standards really. And so they run five trains on that. Now um, the funny thing is that I want to start highlighting on this coaster is the theme. So Trastura literally translates to the Trail of, of Hooray, yeah. which is based on a caveman who learns how to walk, <laughs> and then he runs down a hill, and he's so excited and that he knows like, how to walk hooray. that he screams hooray the entire way down. And that's literally the theme of this bobsled coaster, which is also why you're sitting on a like cave painting-themed bobsled train going down a brown track. Brown that track. is the whole point of it. Yeah. So, And then you go between the rocks... And, um, you know, between trees, over water. So the whole idea is that, like, you know, the whole trail. Like, that's it's themed to a trail. Um, really weird story, but makes for a really fun kind of, like, backstory to this roller coaster. Uh, the coaster itself is awesome. Um, it starts off with a pretty significant sloped drop into a, into a helix. Um, a significantly fast S-turn into another helix. And these are all pretty highly suspended above the ground. It's and then a you- great shape to it. It even has the ride layout on, uh, like, a piece of, of animal, um, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? What is the word you're looking for? It, it's, like, a little, uh, like, animal pelt right oh, at the yeah, entrance yeah. of the ride. Mm-hmm. Like, I guess, like, leather or something, and it has, like, the ride's layout, like, burned into it. The theming is cute. I mean, the ride is incredibly popular. It's probably the most popular coaster there, I would say. And so, um, the lines for it generally get really long. Um, and the queue itself really winds all over the forest. Between the rock work, you go, um, th- between the rights elements and then there, underneath the station there is a giant cave that you walk through as mm-hmm. part of the theming so um there's lots of like hidden little gems um great point of views of the actual ride itself the ride itself uh, like i said starts off with otilices then has a, a highly elevated mid-course brake run then has another set of helices that's over the water and then another mid-course brake run and then a giant figure eight um element into the final brake run Really cool. I really, really liked it. It's not quite as fast towards the end as I would have liked, uh, but overall, it's one of those like super Park Asterix roller coasters. Cannot, cannot miss. I Love it. There's something about like Park Asterix has a couple of roller coasters with multiple block sections mid ride. Both Twice de Hora and Vol de Car hit the brakes really hard on the last mid course before going into the final brakes, which is. I, it's it's a park asterisk quirk, I think. I think I, it has to do with the fact that their operations are so solid. I mean, yeah. they if they run five to six trains on that, you I think need to have pacing. The, yeah, the likelihood of a cascade is not uncommon for when you're running five trains on these multi-block. So, like your trains. your last block before the final breaks needs, needs to, to be, slow down enough for the yeah. train to stop. So yeah, I kind of wish the last third of the ride was a little faster because it feels like it should be. Then again, by the time you plow into the final breaks on track, you're going pretty fast. And the ride, 
really feels like an evolved bobsled concept. I mean, it's so much newer than all the others. It opened in 2001, and it feels like they really nailed the capacity edge and the engineering edge. Some of the bobsleds, I mean, you just fishtail all around, and you're smacking into the guards as you come into the mid-courses Especially and Especially intimate ones. Especially intimate ones. Uh, but this one feels like you, you, you naturally even out before hitting the mid-course, so you don't have to slam into the guards as you as you come in now one thing i found really impressive is the detail around around landscaping for this ride and what's going to be weird is this is also the location where um Tatatis is going to be located mm-hmm. and Tatatis, if i'm pronouncing correctly is going to be um the new intamin multi-launch coaster yeah, swing launch including hyper. the swing launch so it's going to be um a, a 50 meter tall Launch coaster that has the swing launch thing with like the quick switch tracks and stuff. It's gonna um, be like Pantheon, really large, inspired by Talon according to park management. Um, so we're really excited for that. But that's going to be taking place directly underneath and behind Tostura, be especially the first third, like the first drop and everything between the lift hill and the first mid course break run is plot that will be um, developed for the ride, and you'll be passing under um, and around. So I'm looking forward to that a lot. Now that we've been once, we had our first like Park Asterix visit together, and now when we go back, it'll be all about um, this new coaster and how it rides and how it looks and how it interacts with the existing area and how Trastuhura rides have, will have changed um, with the new coaster now surrounding it um, on most sides. So... It's going to be very exciting. That's going to be a great addition to their already pretty strong lineup um, of rides. So before we move on to the next coaster, or our next major ride, uh, we'll do a quick stop uh, to talk about the food in the park. Uh, generally speaking, if quick service food is whatever, um, it's all kind of the same menu all around the park. However, there's a couple highlights. I'm Mr. I need to have a coffee like every two hours. Yeah. So especially in Europe, I'm definitely someone who likes to just sit down and have a cup of coffee, have, a, have an espresso. Park Gasslick is great for that. There's a cool little cafe in the old Parisian area. Um, where we had some that pastries, really, nice. really awesome. We had some had some espresso. We just kind of set set out the rain in a little cafe, um, and waited for the rain to end because you know wet summer this year. Yeah. And then um, for lunch, we went to a Master Chef sponsored restaurant. It was like the Garden Restaurant or something. I forgot the exact it's name. Iconic. This, this is if if you have any familiarity with Park Streaks, you know what restaurant. It's we're the one that's about. right across it's the lake from Hudurich. Giant basket of fruit, like a giant. And the interior wasn't like that good looking. It was very fruity. It was very. Um, it was pretty straightforward. However, the I think food the, was the awesome. The fruit restaurant is like a classic. I'm pretty sure it's been at the park since it opened. I'm looking at a map from 1989, and I'm pretty sure that's it right there. That's funny. It was one of the, the best meals restaurant. that we've had. It's really close to Kulderix. And um, so what we had, I had a quinoa tomato soup based fried okra sort of like special dish with pine seeds mm-hmm. really awesome really really liked it I what did you have Caesar salad I believe and it was very very good very refreshing however the highlight for me was we uh, we did an espresso dessert go figure uh, we did an espresso mm-hmm. dessert that came with like six pastries Absolutely phenomenon, uh, phenomenal. Uh, we uh, we both did our own set. It was like a little like a little sampler. Mm-hmm. Um, really good. Obviously, if you go to France or Europe in general, your pastry game is just so strong. Yeah. And I I, I will literally like eat myself sick oh, every yeah, time I go. Here's a picture from when the park opened, 1989, and you can see the the fruit restaurant. And I guess it literally has always been there. That's yeah. crazy. It's an original 
But yeah, like that was that. really good. And this was one of the few parks we really took the time this time around to sit down, eat, and have a good time. Yeah. Um, do a dining, doing a dining restaurant. Uh, so that was fun. Definitely, if you are looking to eat a decent meal, go to that uh, Garden Fruit Master Chef restaurant across the lake from Hudurix. Mm-hmm. Um, can't miss, clearly. Um, but yeah, let's move on to some more rides. Um, next up is um, Le Oxygen. Oh, well, we rode Manier Express first. Well, uh, I'm just going to go in order of what I have on my list here. Yeah. Um, so next up, we have. Um, oh, God, how do I pronounce that? Actually, we didn't even ride Manier Express next. It was after we rode Osiris. And you thought it was the Kitty Coaster, so you booked it on our Fast Pass thingy. And then I was like, that's the lock. Yeah, we, we got um, <laughs> Philotomatiques, which is their Fast Pass system. So you can either order it online or you book it at the park but at the park you only use cash however the ATMs at the park were out of order this there's like, like three of them this like a comedy of errors like and so if you want to use it on your phone you need to have okay, you can use it digitally the park's Wi-Fi was not but it just keep, kept crashing the Philotomatics part of the app about the wristband for and the wristband required 20 they need a collateral Euros. that you return, that they return to you. Well, yeah, so to get the wristband, I mean, it's fine if you have enough cash on you, but you need to buy it in cash, and you need to, if you want a wristband, instead of using your phone for it, yeah. you need to put down a 20-year depo- deposit, which is fine. However, we were completely out of cash because we spent all of it on the yeah. automatiques, and then they said to go to the ATM, and we went to the ATM, it, yeah. but all the ATMs were broken, were broken. so we came back. Right, of course. <laughs> super language barrier. Yeah. One of the few places where we've been in Europe where, like, was English really, was really kind of a hard, was really, really hard time. really, really friendly. And accommodating, but it was still like hard to the communicate infrastructure a bit here and there. With the fact that they sent us to uh, ATMs that they didn't know weren't working was like an issue. So then we come back and we're like, well, because we, we had already paid for it, and we're like, yeah, well, we still, you know, the ATMs aren't working, our phone apps aren't working, we, our internet's not the greatest because we're yeah, using international plan, and your Wi Fi keeps crashing. A strong on enough signal. And we had two phones trying to do it, and we stood there for like 20 minutes, so eventually they took my Florida driver license and yeah. gave us it. Um, and then when we came to return it at the end of the day, they sent us to the closed window to return it. Yeah. Because we were supposed to turn it at the Philippe Yeah, we went to window. guest services, and they were like, oh, you have to go to. The Philomatiques. Um, <laughs> the Philotomatics? Philotomatics uh, kiosk, and it was closed already. And we're like, look, it's closed. Like, do you see that it's closed? So then they went there under. <laughs> then they went back there and grabbed my ID and yeah. took the thing back. I mean, they were all really nice about really it. Nice, just, like, it felt like not very organized. It felt like the staff didn't know very basic. Like, they were giving us basic instructions that they should know better than to give us. Like, they should know that the ATMs aren't being used right now. They should know when the kiosk for Philotomatics. Is closed like they that that's stuff that you should know. But this is actually people. a great transferring point though because they have this ride called um, the Oxygenarium, mm-hmm. which is a White Wild Water, Water West like dry park. It's a raft slide, raft spinning slide. raft slide, and um, it's incredibly popular. It's like this steampunky, circusy, old French theme, and uh, it's just popular. It's, it's beautiful. A mustache and a nose. Just because it's themed to like, knows. I think it's themed to like sort of an oxygen machine, yeah. obviously. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it came in handy that it was included on the Philotomatics, so we were able to just hop we, on, yeah, ride the station. Something we never would have ridden if it wasn't part of the Fast Pass. I'm just gonna call it Fast Pass. Am I allowed to do that? <laughs> or just call it Quick Philo. Let's call it Philo. Like Philo dough. If we say Philo from now on, it's Philotomatics. I'll just say Philotomatics. Okay. <laughs> anyway, um, so it was actually a really fun ride. We rode really with this little fun. French family. It was yeah, like really into it. Adorable. We were into it. It yeah. was fun. Um, so definitely can't miss. It's really close to Uziris. It's like right on the other side. So um, definitely make sure you ride that. Um, another really quirky ride that I'm not really sure why it exists, especially this park, is Fold Dicard. 
um, which is that's a classic for them. It's a it's an Icarus a, themed. It's a Zero Rides Hornet. Yeah, it's a Hornet coaster. Mm-hmm. So it uses the same track bed as their Tivoli coasters, which they have one of those as well. I think it's just this park has a lot of Zero Rides. Zero was like a longtime contributor to. The I mean, if you're gonna stump out a whole park, it's like one of those things where they you have work with the same manufacturer. Zero, they had two Zero Kitty coasters. A really tiny one yes, that was Mobiles. sent to a sister yeah. park. No, a smaller one than that. Not that one. Oh, like they have a, a smaller tiny, one too? Uh, They had an oval-shaped uh, one that was really little that they sent to one of the other company does Alps parks. Was it the one that sent to Wallaby Belgium? No, I'm like, tiny. Like, tiny. Really well, small. Because the one that have Wallaby Belgium is really small too. The circle one, they keep relocating. Oh. Of course, no, I mean, I haven't written that. Okay. I don't know. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Cool. But they sent it to, I think they sent it to another park in France. SLS Numerobus was the larger version that they added, like, shortly after the park opened. And then there was, then was the elsewhere. family coaster. And then they added... Which is Foldy Car. Foldy Car in 1994. And they also have a Zero Wave Swinger, because who doesn't? And they have a Zero Magic Carpet that's next to Foldy Car. And those rides were probably added pretty close in succession as, like, a fleshing out of the grease. I mean, it's a really... It's, it's fun in a park that has a really solid family collection of this. Is, at least everything ride, is very different, really, and this is very different. I love the bobsled-style seating. Pretty comfortable. We both fit in the same row together. It feels like a large... Like a, I love my Jetstars and, like, Flitzers and stuff. This felt like a, like a custom, grown-up version of the Flitzer. There's another park that has one of these um, elsewhere it's in, in Europe. Netherlands. And their version has the exact same layout... But then when I watched a POV of it, I know POV of it, I noticed that they didn't that last second to last mid course. The one that makes no sense. Yeah, the it's final like right the, the, the last mid course break run that brings you to a total halt before continuing, and you think the ride's over, but it actually Does it has has like quite a bit more track left before you get to the final break runs. On the other installation of the Zero Hornet, it doesn't do that. So I thought like first I thought it was a quirk from the ride design, but then I realized it was a park asterisk quirk. Because, that, you know, capacity, yeah. operation, operation, yeah. operation. Like, like, I love this ride. It has a cute... I mean, shout out cue. to the park for operations being pretty good yeah. because um, the clientele was definitely not, like, helping. It was just, like, rows, like, getting rows filled yeah, and getting everything worked out. They, it, was a lot of, is, it was a lot of screaming to people to, like, tell them what to do everywhere it went. a lot of... I, I don't think I've ever seen groupers work quite so hard and thanklessly at a non-Disney park because the... The patrons at this park are a little difficult, I think, in a lot of ways. Yeah, we'll get into it a little bit later on. Yeah. Um, but that's was one of those things where I really noticed it on Foldy Car too, because they're trying to run like tight operations. And on the, on the photos on the coastergames.com in our article, you'll see that they run a bunch of these little trains on this mid-course brake run heavy Zier family coaster. Yeah, really fun though. Really, really fun ride. I mean, I want to. I'm trying to remember where the. So yeah, that opened in 1994. So that was like their five-year anniversary. Gift. By 1994, the park was five years old, and they had. The two Zero Tivoli coasters, one big, one small, and Voldekar and Pulurix as their signature, signature coaster. Um, the other Zero Hornet, is it at Dippy? No, Flam- Flambard's Village in the United Kingdom. Oh, okay. it moved again? Where was this before? No, it's, it was- it's been there. It's... The Dippy Doo one is a slightly different version. That's what it is. Oh, okay. It's, it's not a Hornet, but it's... Um, Oh, it's two across seating. That's what it is. The Dippy Doo one is almost the exact same layout, but it's a slightly wider track gauge that has individual seats with lap bars um, and side by side. Um, 
But yeah, this is located in the uh, the Greece Roman area of the mm-hmm. park, which like the lines are kind of blurred because there's like clearly a Roman area of the park and there's clearly a Greece area of the park. Or maybe this is maybe there are different. It's, I guess couldn't really like I couldn't really differentiate it has a nice very easily. Fluidity to it when you enter the park, you're and when everything is themed to deities that were shared, it just depends yeah. on like is the name like a Roman name or a Greek name. But the Zeus, entr- for example, the, is a Greek like name. Like the entrance of the park is the village from the comics, and when you hang a right and go towards Grand Splash, it's all the um, like pre-Roman involvement France sort of vibe to it. But then when you hang a left. That's when you are in the Roman area that has the River Rapids ride and the carousel, and uh, well, yeah, because interestingly, yeah, that's it right. Because down when they Greece. add when they added Pegasus Express, that is actually the ride that seemed to going from Greece to, to Rome, Rome on this crazy that is like such a cute ride. flying and the Pegasus is, is thing. Just adorable. Yeah, so um, I mean, let's talk about it. So I mean, before we get there, in the area they have a, a cool flying carpet, like yeah. one of those classic ones, zero flying carpet. That's and, part of Greece. Yeah, that's part of Greece. And so is and so this Cobelix. And Antonio de Zeus. Yeah. And, and then, but then what connects Rome to Greece is the newest coast that they yeah. have. It's Pegasus Express. Yeah, right on the border, figuratively and literally. Yeah, so Pegasus Express is, a, is an upgrade from... It's a, it's a big fire chaser express. From Dollywood, exactly. So um, longer, instead faster, of having the trains. station being a transfer section... They actually have the transfer section before the station, yeah. so it doesn't have to do... Because operationally, having your station being also a, tra- a piece of track movement, it, it just really delays long, the operation. Long, yeah, waiting for... When you dispatch a train on Fire Chaser Express, you have to switch the track before you can bring the next Load train another train the station. in, then switch the track again before you can dispatch so it. It's it a just little it takes a little longer. cumbersome, and so I think that was why... That was one of the first things I noticed, was that even though this was the same product line as Fire Chaser, the track switch configurations were set up a lot differently um but it starts out in pretty much the same manner it has a a gentle tire driven launch that really doesn't go that fast but it's a cute way to get started but the fun thing is that the station is so elevated that once you have that little launch you do make a significant drop down towards the valley down and you hit the brakes which i thought that was funny because you're carrying so much speed before you go into the lift hill but there's brakes down there because that's where the train transfer is Unlike Dollywoods, which the train transfer is at the end of the in the middle of the ride yeah. at the right before the backwards portion, um, but yeah, you go up a pretty sizable lift hill and take this fabulous. I mean, this is a great out and back. It's ride. a really large family coach. You really have to imagine fire chairs, but on, on a significantly larger scale, and running running out. four trains at least end to end. This thing is like almost. One it just, fourth of the park's perimeter. Yeah, it, it really it really goes out and back. So um, you go up a lift hill, and on top of the lift hill is like a, it's like a switch track, like a train track yeah. themed. So again, <laughs> the, the whole theme of this thing is that you're riding on a um, Pegasus on Express, yeah. and so Pegasus drags your ass from yeah. Greece to Rome. Mm-hmm. And so in order to do that, you know, there's a bunch of like little theming elements the that so relate to it. Has it. Like a little vending machine and like a ticket booth machine. and all the all the switchboards that and show the, all the yeah, departure, the departure times. Board, time board. As a flight attendant. It felt like I was in almost like an air, airport. I mean, it's very train station-y, though. I mean, the whole theme of it's a train station, but, it just but reminded yeah. reminded me fondly of airports as well, because it's, it's all, like, mass consumption transport. So, yeah, after you uh, you go by the little the, the train switch track sign, um, you have your first drop, and then a bunch of little airtime hills and, like, little switchy moments, you know, mm-hmm. like you would expect from a Girl Star yeah. family coaster. Um, but you go by the Rapids Ride. I just love looking at it. The on queue the itself Earth, also so goes good. by the Rapids Ride, like, out in the field, really nice. And then you pretty much make it all the way to the end of the park. You go through a tunnel that's on top of 
uh, an enclosed portion of the rapids ride. Um, and then all the way out, you basically, you, it takes you all the way out, like, to in front of the ticketing booths. Like, exactly, so all the way to the park entrance, yeah. and then um, you turn around, and you have another airtime moment, and then you go into a, a highly tire, elevated yeah. building. A tire drive lift hill takes you up to an elevated show building that has an Acropolis, it kind of looks like a miniature Acropolis, um, sitting up elevated over part of the rapids ride now the ride doesn't really need necessarily the the like it has enough speed to not use the lift over the lift over is there as a lift block. Is a block function um and then because then you turn into the the elevator show scene mm-hmm. which is supposed to have a closing door doesn't currently yeah. work so there was um, light pollution in the show scene but i could still appreciate what they were trying to do lots of projection mapping and this medusa lady that's on the yeah. wall like screams at yeah, you and whatever out as just a stone image on the wall and, and she comes to life by a projection mapping and then she spits lava on you which is yeah. just like water spray yeah. with uh, red lighting effects and then you launch backwards backwards out now you're quite high up which is really cool about this yeah. and so when you fire up you have a little bit of a hump up and then you make a significant twisting drop down that's at least a train length that this was one of my favorite parts of the ride and more intense backward portion than fire chasers i mean you haul ass and if you sit in the back of the train you're now at the front of the train, and you hit those airtime hills it so hard. It is really heavy on the airtime, which is Major funny for a family airtime. coaster. Yeah. So you go backwards, and um, you kind of make your way you all got, the way back like to where the station five, is. Four or five good moments of airtime on just the backward portion alone before you then make your way back to the station, um, which you make the, the forward transfer um, exchange beforehand. But th- this is a ride that like comfortably runs four trains. Um, and they probably have five. So, again, it's it's very... It, it follows... This is definitely, like, in my opinion, the new Trasura. Yeah. Same kind of size to it. Um, same good it's operations. Like, same family popularity. The podcast it, it, was popular. It follows the same method of super... Like, the same method as Voldekar and, and Trasura of, like, let's get a coaster with, like, four, four to five trains on it running at a time. And that's the norm. Now, I will say, um, I like this ride a lot better than I expected. I was expecting, like, a fire chaser thing, and we had just ridden Bacala at Bella Varda, which yeah. is the next episode. So, I was like, mm, okay, whatever, you know, we'll, we'll yeah. ride it, and we'll see what it is. It looks fun. But I really, really liked it. I liked it so much that when the park was about to close, and we had just finished riding Hudurik's for, like, yeah, six times. times. We rode it again. I was like, shit, I kind of want to ride that again. That was so unique. I want to go on it before it closes. So, we ran over there. We got in a fight, because I really went to ride till Nair de Zeus. Yeah, Nair de Zeus line was so long was that long. there was no way we were going to get off to Nair de Zeus and still make it back to Pegasi. So we to ran to Pegasi in hopes of Pegasi being a shorter, shorter time commitment, which it was. And then like, we had five minutes left after getting off, and, and so, so we, we darted to Tonaire de Zeus. To de Zeus, so we got to And we got on. So, um, which, I mean, talk about Tonaire de Zeus. Tonaire Let's talk about it next. was important to me. When I wrote Tonaire de Zeus in 2015, I was absolutely blown away. I just thought it was a just a violent, but in a good way, like an aggressive, This it gave me shades of early 2000s ghostwriter at Knott's Berry Farm. Like, a, tr- a true quintessential Custom Coasters International, like, in the height of Custom Coasters International's relevancy. Um, our ride on it this time, it was evident that they had done a lot of track work and even some reprofiling on the ride. And I'm pretty sure they've changed the wheels on the trains to a polyurethane wheel, uh, for a couple of reasons. Which of these reasons is the main reason, or if there is a main reason, we're not sure. 
but they had a lot of good reasons to do this wheel change. A, there's now a hotel immediately behind uh, Tornado de Zeus, which means a wooden coaster that runs on steel wheels is going to be noise pollution for people staying in your hotel. And I wouldn't have thought of that if that wasn't the very same reason why uh, Europa Park went with polyurethane wheels for Vodan because of its proximity to one of their hotels. But also, um, this is a much easier method of, of maintaining your wooden coaster and keeping your track bed um, from being a money pit. Especially with the pandemic. And then um, next year, Tonnerre de Zeus is going to be turned yeah. into Tonnerre de Zeus, de Zeus. which does too in French. So that's, you know, a funny play on word. Great play on word. So it's going to get a graphic group rebuild with, with new elements, timber liners. Obviously, it's going to have better pacing. So as of right now, the coaster yeah. is like 1,232 meters it's long. It's following that funny trend of, of the Missouri wooden coasters, Timberwolf and Boss, both of which that had their helixes removed. But help, didn't get to help with though. yeah, but to help with overall pacing for the ride, um, that both of these coasters lost their helixes, and, and Tonnerre de Zeus has a mid-ride helix that is very. It reminds me a lot of the Legend, where it's major changes in elevation throughout the helix, and it's also flat. So there's some pretty great laterals. Tonnerre de Zeus is still an awesome ride. Like if you went and rode it right now, the you cool would have thing a great about Tonnerre de Zeus it. is that um, it's like Ghost Rider at Knott's Bear Farm pre redo. Yeah, um, but much smoother. But like kind of the same layout. Like it just kind of never ends yeah. and has great pacing, compact. Yet it really takes you somewhere. It's quite similar to Ghost Rider and uh, but without a mid course. Exactly. Super long and with like an extra like. Final yeah. bit that's straight that goes outside the ride plot, but the rest of it's really confined. If you're but it a does fan a of lot. Timberwolf at Worlds of Fun, you'll recognize the ride's layout as a alternate, like an upgraded version, where the ride sort of has a T shape. You come off the lift hill and do a, a 90 degree turn before going out into the first drop and the first of an elevated turnaround, and then you come down, intersect the lift hill superstructure, and into the mid course helix, and then you come down again parallel to the first drop another elevated turnaround back down back to the helix area and do another turnaround i mean it's a lengthy ride now one thing i want to say real quick on the topic of helixes or helices this park loves the helices they love their helixes osiris tonnerre de zeus <laughs> um Hudurix, and Trastra all have like six signature helices that also have the queue going going like in a circle and around Bowling it. Car has a helix too. Yep, it's, they're very so like every every ride has like a major helix. Every ride in this park has a two hundred and seventy degree helix minimum. But my favorite part is just the fact that every single major helix on every coaster at this park has a queue like a circular yeah. queue going through the helix. Yeah, they just love showing up every they helix. Love, it's such a funny thing. Yeah. But Tonnerre de Zeus, the, the, the polyurethane wheels have taken their toll on the ride's performance. The ride runs well. It feels like a ride that is well cared for and well maintained. However, polyurethane wheels are soft. You lose traction. Um, there's drag on your the PTC trains that the ride runs. So what used to feel like a ride that maintained incredible pacing, I could never explain how it was that Tonnerre de Zeus went so fast throughout such a long ride despite not being that tall or having that big of a first drop but you would still come into the station hot nowadays you're not coming in hot you you basically arrive into the final breaks at parking speed like they could take the final breaks off and just let it park itself in the station uh without any additional 
braking. That's how slow you are when you when you finish this ride. The last hill, the last little, it has a drop into an on-ride photo, and then one last incline before a 270-degree helix, and uh, enveloped by Q, of course, like he said. Uh, but that last hill before the 270 downward helix into the final breaks. That's not really any airtime anymore. It was like, well, not as not only is there not any airtime. <laughs> oh, thought, you mean that hill? The, the hill we, that clears the maintenance road that you just like crawl. That yeah, the hill that clears the maintenance road is also is also. It gave me this thought of like, oh wow, like we really are losing momentum by this point in the game. I mean, that's, the, that's another reason why it's so nuts bear formation because you hill, have to clear maintenance road. The last hill before the 270 into the final breaks. I thought we were gonna valley. I was like. It just doesn't. It fools you into thinking that you're not gonna make it, and that's that's how much momentum you lose on this ride now by the end of it. So, on the one hand, again, they have a fabulous family coaster that's well loved, well maintained, and very popular. But um, Tonero Duzus with new trains, hopefully uh, a better functionality as far as pacing goes, with like sustained airtime and forces throughout the ride again. Um, and the loss of the Helix, which is probably going to be better for the ride's overall pacing as well, um, and for the long-term but like maintenance budget of this ride, and for the lines. like The ride is so long, with no mid-course brake run, again, it runs into the same problem that Ghost Rider has been running into since it had its mid-course brake run removed, which is that capacity is just so low. They can only run two trains on this very lengthy ride that's very popular and right at the front of the park. It probably had the longest line all day we were there. Yeah. I mean, it's not the only really popular ride that only runs two trains, except for it has the capacity per yeah. train is only 24 passengers, if I'm not mistaken. Kudricks. Oh, no, it's, is it seven cars or is it six cars? It's seven. It is seven, I okay. believe. A lot of the GCIs, like yeah, the, it is the, seven. the, the yeah. GCI. Because Ghost Rider is only six, CC, that's why. A lot of the, well, Ghost Rider had seven. It had six. It had seven at one point. I think they took a car off. I've never ridden it with seven. I've when I wrote it, it in six. 2002, it had a seven-car train. And I'm pretty sure they took a car off at one point because it was getting so rough. Anyway, um, I was super curious. Yeah, I really yeah. want to find out if Ghost Rider actually had some Because, like, cars. even Goldrix has a, a mid-course brake run. In I think you are right, though, because I think I remember seeing the, the air gates that they replaced from the front car because I um, had Knott's Barry Farm back in the day. Because they've, yeah, that, that ride has, de- it's definitely lost capacity over the years, Ghost Rider, now especially with having just two uh, GCI trains um, max for, for ops. Yeah, it opened with seven, yep. Okay, <laughs> so next we have... One thing I really, really liked is uh, between Tonnerre de Zeus and Houdurix, they have this sky bar. Sky bar. And this sky bar is like one of our favorite things we've ever done. And <laughs> what it so is, cool. is a floorless rotating bar that goes up to... God, how tall is it? I don't have the exact number here. It's not like crazy, crazy tall, but it's, but it's, it's taller than it's over a hundred feet. Like yeah, and so um, what you do is you yeah, you're right at like eye level with Cool Dreeks, and it's taller than Tonnerre de Zeus. Yeah, you're, you're a little bit above it because we have pages right here where there. like it's yeah. So um, how it works is you roll up to this bar. <laughs> the admission to this attraction is free, it's which is free. nice. However, your the idea is that you buy a drink yeah, free at the bar. With drink. So sort of you like a cover fee. can you get, a, get a cappuccino, you can get a cocktail, you can get champagne, you can, you can get, get a, get a beer, you can get anything kid. you want. The kids had, like, they sold these sodas, soda bottles for kids that came on a lanyard. Yeah, so they so could have it in the sky. Kids would be less like, because kids could 
but it's all floorless. Like, like, like you, you can drop all. shit super easily. <laughs> that was also easy. the scariest part. Yeah. Of it. Um, so you order your drink and then you get your uh, receipt in a like a session number. So there's like three sessions an hour or three sessions every thirty minutes. So yeah, you queue for this, but you get to just sit. at a So nice you table. sit at a table that has the number on it that is your your session. So you sit, you relax, and then you wait for your number for for your number session, and you go to the bar and you you pick up your drink. And then you walk to the sky bar and you get your assigned seat and you sit down in your assigned seat and you strap in with the seatbelt and you have your drink in your hand and the sky bar takes off into the sky and once you get up there you sit there for 10 minutes and you rotate slowly. So the cool thing is that you sit there and you rotate and you get to look at all the rides from below. We had a, we had a ball or a blast if you want to call it taking pictures of the roller coasters. The time for lives. Taking pictures of all the roller coasters. Like live blogging and. Um, and holding each other's drinks because it was like <laughs> it was windy as hell up there and um, everyone was like freaking out our drinks it was were, really fun our drinks really were cool. so good too yeah we had a um, we got um, a real a mimosa, mimosa with real champagne it was really good from it's, champagne it's like my best mimosa I've ever had it was, on a freaking, it was on Prosecco. a freaking ride I don't drink a lot of like real champagne because I'm a cheapskate but it's easier to get it's cheaper in France because it's right there and uh, it was like the best mimosa I've ever had so yeah, check mile. out thecoastergames.com for some of the amazing aerial shots we've gotten because like, pretty much every, every coaster that was within reasonable reach from the sky bar, we've got yeah. some awesome shots yeah. in action. Great pictures of Tony Zeus and Cool Greeks. And then there's a staff member that uh, you now had a fun conversation yeah. with. It was really cool. Like you can really see far away. It's it's a really fun ride. Um, definitely something I would do every single time I go to the park aesthetics. Oh yeah. Um, that was really really high. It's so the day. us because I love taking time. Like if you if if your theme park has a bar. Like a real bar with some with some pretty. We generally speaking, go and hang out. We very, really like lounges and stuff. Bars yeah. and lounges and parks is like kind of what something that we we like to make time for, no matter what park we're in. And we had a uh, we had a really fun time for photograph, and we both spent significant amounts of time for a day just sitting mm-hmm. there, like taking photos yeah. of, of our favorite rides. Um, anytime, anytime either of us had to go to the restroom, the other would take the camera yeah. and just like spend twenty minutes just photographing really the same coaster. I was really that we had the time we had at this park and that we were able to do Clopen, Filo, yeah, Filo, because we gave ourselves we. This was a park that we really had a lot of time to linger in, and we didn't we really to wanted to make sure that we got on all the rides about. at least once. That's why we got Filo Tomatiques. Yeah. Um, and it really worked out because we really did get time to linger around. This was and the, the park cleared out after like 4 p.m. Yeah, it was and the busy. Weather got earlier. Really nice. It was like after busy. 3 p.m. But the after 3 or 4, really beautiful. Weather nice. Crowds started dissipating, and uh, you know we got we got some some rerides in on stuff. Um, speaking of uh, of some rides that we hit while the park, uh, we also hit Manir Express, which again we mentioned earlier for a brief second. It's a That's Mac the Lock, Lock Flume. Flume, 1995. Super great layout. Maybe not the greatest. Logs. <laughs> we had to sit. We had to share a log with two other adults. So very European. We were, but we're really I was tall sitting in Sean's lap, fat. and it was like very snug, like very very snug. Um, but a great log flume. It has like an indoor part. It's got three drops. Like this park really loves their water rides because they've got. It wasn't quite as polished as I was expecting. Uh, there was definitely like. You go into a warehouse, and that's supposed to be a dark ride scene, but it's so obviously it's a warehouse yeah. and, like, a, a single canvas that's supposed yeah. to be, like, theming. That was really weird. But overall, the ride was fun. They also I wasn't a, really super excited about it because I don't like getting really wet, but uh, the wet factor wasn't too terrible. They also have a River Rapids ride in the Roman area, which we didn't ride just because I rode it in 2015. and it, We did run out of time. There's a lot to do there. It's not the best, but, yeah, this park is huge. And they have one of those, like, circular boat garden water rides that, like, every major yeah, European park has. Yeah, little garden boat. That's between 
That's between Discobelix and Foldicar. Foldicar. They also have a, a Schwartz, or, or probably a Mac. It's probably a Mac um, octopus ride. And a Wayswinger. Right this park has a lot of flat rides. Yeah. Obviously, it's something that we can really go into too much in a podcast episode. They because have a pirate, big roller coasters. Like but an Intamin pirate ship ride, too. Situated right on the water, right next to next to Hulirix, which is in the like the shipyard area of the park. Should we talk about Hulirix? Yes. All right. So this well, is like me, okay. Let me ask you this: We had two two of our responses on Instagram were just rides. There, <laughs> even though we three words about Park Asterix. One person said "Good Erix." Those were his three words. Split it up in three words. Yes. Yeah, this is Thrill Center's response, and uh, yeah, we couldn't agree more. So, this is like the newest obsession. Um, where but do I start? Jared Gates, 19, said nothing beats Tonair. Which, I can see why someone says that, because Tonair is like one of the classic, like, top of the class. Such an icon. Park Asteris coasters. For me, it wasn't in my top three, because I just, again, I'm more of a stool person, so I guess I'll reveal my top three. But now again. when Tonair Duzus comes out, it will be... May very well be a top it three will be, again. That collection will, will, again, be fighting... That was something I remembered really vividly from my 2015 trip was that every roller coaster in this park exceeded expectations and really felt like a best in class kind of ride. And Kulvarix for us is it's we understand it's a polarizing ride, um, but if you know us and you know how much we love our old arrows, our Vacoma loopers, we like worship Hyperspace Mountain. Of course, Kulvarix is like our favorite ride there. Of course we wrote it five times because we were just so Absolutely obsessed enamored. with it. The first ride, you, Sean was, you guys, like, we, we came off the drop and Sean was like, oh snap. You like, must know this is the ride I look forward to the most because I like my classic loopers the, a lot. The stakes were high. The expectations were astronomical and I was afraid that he wouldn't like it as much as I was hoping he would and I'm sure he felt the same way. And he was speechless. Like, you... We, we made it to the, the mid-course breaks, which is right... It's kind of an additional break run right before the final breaks just to help with, with dispatches on this thing. And you were... I, you weren't even, I don't even know if you were sure like where your headspace was at with that ride because it was so overwhelming. The ride is a lot to process for your first time, especially if you're already a fan of this type of ride. If you're a fan of Blue Hawk at Six Flags Over Georgia, which we are... Um, this is a ride that you... It, it's everything you want from from the perspective of a fan of a ride like Viper at Magic Mountain or Tennessee Tornado at Dollywood. It's, it's big. It's fast. The pacing is unrelenting. I mean, you come off the drop, and it's, it is a rapid-fire succession of seven inversions. It's not like you get you don't get a break like you do on Viper. There's no mid-course, not there's no true mid-course break run. You come off the drop into the butterfly, which is like two inverted top hats with 45 degree twists situated in one fluid motion and it's it's it, you go through it so fast, much faster. It's a much faster and quicker paced ride even than Blue Hawk, even though the rides were designed at the same time and both have that same butterfly element and um, have a very similar uh, concept and approach to the Mega Looper. Um, 
but yeah, so you do the butterfly, and then you you fire into this bat wing that is so fast compared. And to... And it's a large bat wing because the bat wings it on the large. on the um, arrow loopers are a lot more. We're like you tight. know, it's like third element in command or like yeah. fourth element in command. Like at this point, the rights has already released. It's already lost. When you compare it to significant like vortex speed. at King's Island, where it's like buried in the ground. This thing is like. Elevated. Yeah, it's 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 bigger than the it's vertical loop on the ride. Like it is it's a big telescoped out, and it's the it's like the, the hood ornament for the whole ride. It's really the focal point when you cross the bridge over the lagoon that the ride sits on, and it connects Tonnerre de Zeus with with Kuldrix. I mean, you're right there staring it in the face, and the, and the dimensions of it are are. Tremendous! It almost reminds me of like Banshee's Batwing, and the banking is actually quite good going into it. Yeah, it can give you. Then weren't you the one that got hit in the face? In that, there was in one it. of our rides. <laughs> we we sat we sat in a different row each ride. Um, in fact, there was a couple of rides we got to re-ride without even leaving the station. The park was very generous about re-rides, um, especially in the afternoon once the park was really clearing out despite the amazing weather I'm so I guess that some people just left early because they were soaking wet and they didn't get cover from the rain because by 3pm there were fewer people in the park than there had been at any other point in the day and yet the weather was the best that it had ever been of the day so we lucked out with some like great photo taking weather and some great opportunity for re-rides on Guldrichs and one of our re-rides was in row four, just because that was an empty row that was there when we were exiting, and they let us re-ride. And <laughs> that, was the, that was the roughest ride that we had on it, because we, we came into the Batwing, and I got, I got nailed. Like, I got popped in the, in the temple so hard. I got hit so hard in the face that my ears popped. And <laughs> I, but I couldn't be mad. I think the norm, the a normal person would have been like, "That sucked." Like I did not deserve to be wailed on like that by a roller coaster. But for me, it was like <laughs> I was so tickled by it. It just it 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 made me laugh because I was like, "This ride is is brutal. It is unrelenting." And if you don't come correct, and if you don't ride this ride with some with some respect. It'll beat you up. <laughs> it's funny because those are like there's a couple of moments on the ride that really do will will beat you up, but then there's moments like the vertical loop that it's glass smooth. Yeah. And then there's like I mean anything from the vertical loop all the way through the end of the corkscrew is really really smooth. Yeah. You have a really solid, decently sized vertical loop, larger than your average arrow vertical loop, um, followed then, by a, like a, a pretty steady hill that turns into a turn mm-hmm. into a double corkscrew. Double corkscrews are incredibly fast, this is but all really smooth. So fast. Seven inversions with no break, no mid course break run, nothing. The pace is stupid on this thing. It is so fast. I was speechless the entire first ride because I was just like, holy shit. Like, I was just like, the entire time yeah. I was just like holding on, like, what the yeah. hell? Like, I just couldn't believe it because, and here's the thing, the Hudurix opened the year before Viper and in my head, I'm like, Viper and Hudurix are like buddies. Hudurix <laughs> is the Dutch version that was built in France a year prior to Viper opening, you know, in, in California. Mm-hmm. Uh, where we lived and so it was one of those things where in my head I was like oh these must be quite similar except for this is Vacoma's version of you know the, the mega looper with seven inversions but Viper is like child's play compared yeah. to Houdini Viper has like I mean, yeah, the first half of Viper is quite fast, but it's very, like, one motion, one direction. It's just three loops in a row and a turn. And then you have the mid-course break run that slows you down so much that the second half of Viper is just crawling. The yeah, entire time you crawl. Hang- There's no hang time do I, do I mind <laughs> the crawling on Viper? No. It's no. like you have hang time. That's, like, the only course where you're literally hanging your seat. However, Hudurix, 
None of that. Huduri is just like, you get on top of the lift and you make that scenic turn. And if you're in the back car, that scenic turn is a wild mouse turn. Yeah. And you just like fly through the turn Great and you go straight time. down that first drop. Great air time in the back. And it's just, it doesn't stop. It just doesn't stop. If you it's insane. have ever asked yourselves, and I'm especially addressing fans of the Arrow documentary on YouTube, if you've ever really wanted to know why Vacoma is still in business and Aerodynamics is not, look further, look no further than Kulturiks and uh, whatever Aerodynamics was doing at the time. Because the, 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 Vacoma's track bending methods, their transitions were flawless. They're still flawless. Kulturiks is a ride that, if you gave it MK1212s, which which are the, air, the Vacoma Vest restraint trains that um, Hyperspace Mountain now has, um, you could open that ride tomorrow as a new ride in a new park, and it would be a hit. You would have a ride that feels like it's state-of-the-art. When you have a ride like Lech Coaster, which is one of the most universally well-loved roller coasters I can think of, um, it's really not far from where they started with a ride like Hururix 32 years ago. 32 years ago from now. Um, they were so ahead of the game. They had a different... By this point, they weren't even using the same track system as aerodynamics because a lot of Hururix's, um high stress point elements used a double spine, which was revolutionary for the industry at the time. Um, while like Giovanola and Intamin were developing their version of a, a hyper-reinforced track bed with the prismatic box-like track spine that would later be ubiquitous with B&M, Vacoma was taking their boomerang track bed and giving it two spines side by side, and that track system would continue to serve them throughout the 90s and into the 2000s with Invertigo coasters and the Flying Dutchman coasters. Um... So I feel like when you ride Hururix and, like, yeah, it might beat you up a little bit because it's a 32-year-old looper, but for us, it was just so evident to us why Vacoma was taking off into the stratosphere um, industry-wide and, and outselling aerodynamics pretty handily in most markets, except for, like, hypercoasters, because Vacoma wasn't doing that uh, at the time. They'll do it now. They'll sell you a hypercoaster now. I wish Energylandia had built the Vacoma hypercoaster instead of the Intamin hypercoaster, but word on the street is is that Intamin could get Energylandia, the hypercoaster, right now, and Vacoma was like, well, we can get it to you in five years, but we're already booked, so it's up to you. Uh, but I digress. Hururix is such a fabulous ride, and it's just such a significant point on their industry timeline. It's just no... It makes... It's absolutely no surprise to me that this is... This ride opened and then, like, Euro Disney was so quick to to call upon Vacoma to fulfill the the major attraction developments in, in their park because it was just so plain to, I think, everyone paying attention that Vacoma was churning out... Uh, a similar product to aerodynamics that was at the same time so vastly superior. Um, speaking of MK1212s and like the rolling stock for that ride, just like with Blue Hawk, how a, a Vacoma vest restraint train could turn that into easily the park's best ride. 
um, Six Flags Over Georgia, especially in the last two years without having Mindbender as competition because it's been closed for so long. Um, if 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 Gulderik's got the MK1212 trains, I think I would be on a flight to Paris the next day. I don't think there's a shadow of doubt in my mind that with MK1212s, this ride would be um, so incredibly well-liked and appreciated for all of the strengths and for all of the pioneering aspects of it. Um, and hopefully it's only a matter of time. A good friend of ours, Mark Lacombe, who is... Um, French coaster expert, Disney expert. Huludix and Hyperspace Mountain both have the same chassis already. It's like a super reinforced chassis that's designed for the kind of constant abuse that a Disney ride is is likely to receive running constantly. Um, and that's the expensive part. That's the hard part. Huludix has now been running the same chassis since the late 80s, and it has the Vacoma 1205 seat mold shells that are sort of like all, all the boomerangs that popped up during the Six Flags Premier Parks era. It's those kinds of trains, or like the, the trains on Big Loop at Heidi Park. The, I call them beetle bug trains because they have like the... the, the yeah, the rounded round, round round fronts, nose. yeah. So it runs those trains right now, and those are like not my favorite, but the ride still like shines. It still sings with those trains and so giving the ride the 1212 rest restraint remodel would be as simple as just replacing the harnesses and the shells because the chassis is already in good shape hyperspace mountain is still running the same chassis that it opened with despite having two major train uh, overhauls um since it opened so we think that based on the kind of stuff that to, um, that Park Asterix is already doing with their rides. I mean, uh, Voldekar got a full retrack at 1.2. Gulderix got a major retrack in 2013. They completely replaced the Butterfly and reprofiled it. Which is funny, because the Butterfly is notorious for being, obviously, like the worst element of the ride. Very unique, of course. Um, but it really wasn't that terrible. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's incredibly fast. Well, since 2013. It's really been, intense. It's been great. But it didn't hurt the way I thought it would hurt. Look, when I went in 2015, it was the butterfly was brand new, and I went with a group of people who weren't exactly Vacoma Looper fanboys, but we rode it twice because we liked it. So it was so surprisingly good, uh, despite our expectations. And I think I think it's only a matter of time before they'll do the MK1212 seat molds because now, like, Tonero de Zeus is getting new trains. Like, this is a park that really cares about reinvesting in their existing rides, and they know what they have. What I think is funny days. about Hulurik's for, for, for me is that there's parts of the ride that surprised me that I didn't think ever would I really, really care about, and that also includes, of course, the final helix that is, like, unbanked and has, like, a sharp drop That's in amazing. it. That's amazing. That is, amazing. you know, like you. That's like this weird wild mouse sharp drop, sharp incline moment. But it's like that. Who would have thought the that? laterals thought on that, that are crazy? Because absolutely you've, stupid. You've already been through seven of the craziest inversions of your life, but and then it's the helix fast. that gets you. Yeah, it's the helix that wraps a little bow on this present. Because of course, every ride at Park Castell seems to have a helix. Yes, I swear to God, it's so iconic that they did it again on Tonnerre de Zeus. <laughs> same same exact move. It's just funny because every time, every single ride there finishes with a with, with the a helix, 270 helix, except for um, 
Except for what's it called, um, Pegasi Express. Yeah, but yeah, overall the ride is uh, Pegasi Express's two seventy Helix is at the far end of the ride, next to the turnstiles. It's their little hood ornament showing you what you can expect from your day at Park Asterix. It's like every ride here is gonna beat your ass with a two hundred and seventy degree Helix somewhere in the ride. But yeah, so I think uh, it's obviously my favorite ride at the park. Who, who am I kidding? <laughs> obviously. obviously. I love Afrikoma Loopers. But it was just really, it, was, it tracked well, and it was just ferocious. Like, every element, I thought I was going to die, but like, in a good way. I was like, holy it, it shit. It was hard riding holy shit. Two holy shit. Times holy in shit. A row. Every time. I'm like, oh my god. Like, we did our double ride at one point. Like, we had ridden it twice in a row, and then we rode it again two more times in a row. And after that fourth ride, I was like... I need to sit down for a second. Like, that was so much. It was... You need a break. It's yeah. a ride that we would favorably compare to, like, X2, because you ride the whole ride feeling a little tense about what you're what you're putting, the forces, the kind of forces and speed and, and pacing that you're going to put your body through. You put your body through a lot when you ride this. And it's... I would say it's one of the scariest rides ever because you just know that you're you're going to go through a lot. You might feel it in the morning. Your muscles, your neck, and your spine might feel a little different in the morning. <laughs> yeah, the head bang, it's not necessarily headbanging. It's not headbanging. It is just that, you, especially in a butterfly, you move so many times so quickly, and there are so many positive Gs on you. The, the elements in a butterfly are... The whole element, I know why it hasn't been done since, because it's like two tiny loops on like big drops with like a really small little <laughs> valley in the middle, while also doing a 45 degree turn four times in a row, but like separated by it's like inversion. It's a dramatic it maneuver. Is, than how do you explain it? Like, yeah. Blue Hawks. It's Blue Hawks feels more like a double loop that's kind yeah. of folded into itself. Yeah. But Hootie Leaks really feels like it just does like four things in, in one. In the valley between the two loops of the butterfly, you are perpendicular with the entrance and exit of the inversion. It's witchcraft. Like, I can't believe that they did that. But you know what? I wouldn't mind seeing it again. <laughs> I would love for a Neo Vacoma Looper to have that exact maneuver uh, as Hurriks. I wouldn't even put it past them to like completely just demolish that ride and replace it with an exact copy of it, but with the new track bed and the new like Lech coaster trains with the Vest restraints. That would just, again, would be very on brand for them, I think, because this ride is an icon. It is France's uh, Python. It's like France's uh, you know, Arrow, arrow looper, like corkscrew kind of thing. It is just such an icon and such a badass. And people love this ride. We weren't the only ones sessioning the ride uh, in the evening when lines got short. We were in good company <laughs> with people who were like really putting their bodies through it. But um, it's like fatal attraction. You just can't resist this ride, even though uh, you might sustain a little. A little bit. Of <laughs> you might get a, some, a little you're trauma. Get a little coaster kisses uh, <laughs> on this ride. You might you might have some some bruising on your shoulders and on your. <laughs> I think that if, I think if they were to give it a Blue Hawk treatment and give it the MK twelve twelve, the ride is going to once again be one of the most popular rides. They can market friend. it as a I new mean, ride. to be fair, it was popular. People were really into that ride. The line was long all day, and when we did a little marathon later, when the park really cleared out, there was yeah. no line for anything except for the Nerd Zeus. We like. We wrote it like four or five times in a row. The fact that we did that was and wild. we were riding it with a lot of the and same a lot people of same people were like, "Oh, get back again. in line, get back in line." The there French, was like, there was there was this culture was for this culture, ride, and it was like young people. It was people who definitely weren't alive when this ride was built, so they've been familiar and they've watched this ride since 
they were little kids. And the presents. I think it's the I think it's the ride with the best presents it's in the still, park. It is still. This is located on the lake. This it's really ride, beautiful. Gulderix is still that bitch. Like it is still the one. After everything that they've built, even though Osiris is the one that you see from the interstate, which we'll get to Osiris in a bit because we're already an hour and two minutes in because we've just been gushing. Yeah, so let's talk about, <laughs> let's talk about Osiris then. So Osiris <laughs> is um, the park's 2012 B&M Inverticoaster. If anyone knows anything about 2012, B&M had no business in the Inverticoaster industry. <laughs> they were literally just like pumping out they wind coasters and selling like, wind coasters. The last time they had and built an Inverticoaster and wind coasters. Was, was 2007. So it was really fun seeing the development going from like Mamba um, and Python. then Python, oh yeah, whatever, and like Python. Python in, uh, in Korea. And seeing the next evolution. And this ride really feels like that. It has some classic elements, but the biggest changes are the snap. fact that it doesn't have a pre-lift, so it has a snappy, extreme first drop. It is smoother when it comes to the way that the layout flows. Yeah. And it threw in a couple of really new elements like that kind of give me Banshee vibes. Like it was if you think first. of Banshee Zero G roll, that kind of, they're the first Zero yeah. G roll on totally on Osiris has that kind of vibe to it. And also like Banshee it has um it's got the big sweeping like one eighty first drop right into a dive loop. Yep. So both and then of them it has, start out has, exactly the same. It has two really strong overbangs. It has an underground tunnel with waterfalls. It has two underground tunnels total because it has the one after the vertical loop that then goes. Yeah, that goes into the. Down. Um, it's an underground tunnel. But like slope. an additional drop, and which then, is like the everyone's favorite thing. And then thing. you pull up into the Immelman, and it is so intense. Montu, Montu moment. It's like mini Montu, but like the I like it better loop, than Montu. The vertical loop Immelman combo with the little tunnel in between is like Montu reincarnated and to say nothing of the fact that this is an egyptian themed b&m invert i know it's, with it's, indigo it's blue track and yellow sand yellow supports so let's do a quick run of the elements so you have your first drop you have your dive loop you have yeah, your overbank banshee turn. is note for note lifted from the first two then you elements. have well no because there so after the dive loop we have a really strong overbank turn well yeah like the first really two elements meaning like the first drop and the and oh the, got you not first two the loop. versions okay but yeah and then you have a vertical loop uh, followed by like a slope drop into a Immelman and then another overbank and another the overbanks overbank are so great and they're really sharp and they're really strong forces and then you dive underground dive into a pond and, yeah so you, <laughs> you dive underneath like the great lake in the middle features. of the ride which is the ride's really built with like a presence you know and then you go into this really strange off axis off center it's like tilted to the right zero g roll course through rolls through you get airtime on it yeah it's really it's not necessarily it's not really a zero g roll but it's like a whatever airtime roll it's a barrel roll and then you have a sharp upwards Helix, a, a little degree elevated helix. Number course, one of, of two, the first of two, and then you level out for a quick second. Very flight deck, very very flight deck. Extremely Great America, yeah. And then you dive Back down under the U-turn that connects the final brakes to the station. Exactly, and then you have a, a classic zero G roll with the exact same shape as a Batman clone. Yeah, but the speed at which it goes through it is just like California's Great America's. It is just the right speed where yeah. it's a complete zero G, like yeah. weirdly. Weirdly zero and G. It's wedged in between the station and the final brakes. It's foot choppers. Foot chopper. Foot chopper fact. city. And then um, <laughs> you level out and you go straight. You dive straight into this zero G this, roll. Oh, not sorry. Two seventy helix. Of two seventy helixes. Where the queue is wrapped around. Yeah, of course. And then you um, and then a sharp right turn into the final break. No, we actually go up. And you have a dip. You have a drop down oh, yeah, to the ground, the and then you, you have a, an upward turn into the yeah. break run. Spectacular pacing. Obviously, no, no makers break run. It kind of has like the length of, of of a major B and M like 
uh, raptor, but it has it's uh, the size of, of Black Mamba, yeah. you know, like the the height. Um, but incredible pacing, and it really shows that there's no need for a mid-course break run if you can do that. Yeah. So this park is like the king of no mid-course break runs and the really good pacing because all their major, major coasters, they lack a mid-course break run. Yeah. But I, I think that it's the beautiful thing about them because their pacing is just fire. Yeah. Well, they either have no mid-course break run or it's a multi-train operation that has several, and it, they don't function. There's no in-between. They don't yeah. function as like a break or a stop. Uh, halfway through your ride, they function as just an opportunity to get four or five trains on the track. The hardest thing about Osiris is riding it and thinking about how this could have been Banshee. <laughs> Which I, I mean, love. Banshee is going on. We us. love we Banshee, like Banshee for what it is. Banshee is a very, very different ride from Osiris, even though they have the first, the same first drop and the same first inversion. Banshee is, is much, is more like on the Alpengeist Pyrenees uh, scale of, of, of design but Rosaris is, is a lot more it's, for every great inversion that that ride has there's also a great non-inversion turns, laterals drops, dives, tunnels it's all stuff that like it makes me wish Banshee did a little bit more of that the rides are clearly inspired by each other apparently the like Osiris was going to be a less intense ride the park really Twisted B&M's arm. This is what I've been told by multiple people, including our friend Mark, who knows everything, um, about this, just the nature of, of the design process for that ride. Because Osiris is a lot more intense than the, the inverts that preceded it immediately and the invert that followed yeah, it. Yeah, because think, think Silver Bullet, uh, yeah, Python. Like Silver Bullet and, and like Patriot at Worlds yeah. of Fun. And then you have Osiris, which is absolutely like... It's like Nemesis level. So I guess like Batman level. Uh, yeah. Because more people have, get, I guess, exposed to But then to again, that, it's yeah. like Black Mamba opened in the same year that Patriot opened. It was When Patriot at Worlds of Fun opened, people were like crying foul because the ride felt like such a watered down level of an invert intensity wise, even though it's a perfectly good ride. Banshee has also received a lot of that kind of criticism, and I'm pretty sure that. Park Asterix was was being offered a ride that is a lot more like how Banshee turned out, but they fought for those overbanked turns. Based on my ride in Osiris, I think yeah. Monster at Grenalund is going to be like Osiris. Yeah. Like it has same kind of rolling stock, same kind of size to elements. I can't wait to ride that. So, so overall, um, a really good ride. In my top three, my top three is Hudirix, Osiris, and Trasura. What yeah. is your top three? For the park, definitely um, Hudirix. Osiris, um, and yeah, and Trastuvara. Okay, yeah, same pretty, yeah, pretty much the same. It's gonna change. They're gonna shake up with. Well, with, yeah, with Tutatis, Tonet Dozus, and potential like MK twelve twelve Hudurix. Yeah. I mean, there's lots. I think Hudurix will always be our favorite right there. I just don't expect that to change. Um, and it's not necessarily sentimental. It's like that ferocious. It's that so wild. It's like perfect. the only ride where I was like it's in just, shock the that, entire it's time. Such a, it's such a monument that reflects my love as an enthusiast. It really, I, I feel like the, your favorite roller coaster isn't just about the best coaster you've ridden, but it's the kind of ride that illustrates what matters to you as an enthusiast. As an yeah. enthusiast. So that's always going to be cool to for us, I think, no matter what. <laughs> but Now, let's talk a little bit about the atmosphere of the park. So, yeah, um, okay, so. so one thing is that the park is it's polished-ish, but it's yeah. not, like, super polished. The There's definitely area, parts, right? The old France area of the park. It's fun. 
I mean, overall, they use another ride. Uh, to be honest, uh, the overall park could really use a bit of a touch-up, but there are some really nice areas. I think anything Roman and Greece, those are really nice. Anything old France could really use some love. Yeah, everything from the Oxygenarium to around the Dirks. I would even I would park. even go as far as saying Gunsplatch Menir Express could yeah, also kind of use some help. Park, so that yeah. side of park, besides, uh, except from Osiris. Osiris and Hudurix, um, yeah. that side of the park needs some love. Everything on the other side of the yeah. park, awesome. Looks really yeah. great. Now, the biggest thing that I really didn't like about the park, and, and, I, and not to like end, comment. we're not trying to end on a negative note, but there's but, one thing that really stood out to us, and we're going to mention it anyway. Yeah. Um, so, just like Jasper our Instagram fans. response to our Instagram questionnaire, I think really resonated. Um, illustrated exactly how we feel is, is the park's one glaring shortcoming. It's like the park is funny park is well-themed, but the clientele is questionable. And yes, that is not to be like shitting on anyone, but there's one thing we really noticed during our visit. We were... I don't even know what word to use, but at one point in the queue for Osiris, I was physically assaulted by someone. Yeah. This is COVID wanted, times. They wanted to cut in front of us. The whole line. party wanted to cut in front of us, and they were screaming at like us. One woman, like, yeah. need me, and then later on, another woman in their party, like, she physically, like, like pushed us, us and, like, screamed at us and to touched us. us in French. And there was a it was language just, barrier. It was one of those things where, like, the, the vibe in the queue was so off because everyone was really bothered by, like, these parties cutting. There was security here and there, but nobody did a single thing about yeah. it. Um, and we noticed it everywhere in, in the park. People were just really, really rude. They were, like, not... I mean, and this wasn't just because we were, we were you know, I mean, I speak a couple words French, and I look much more European. I mean, this is one of those things where we saw other people being harassed and bothered yeah. by a certain clientele in the park, and it, like, really kind of brought down the brought experience. down the experience in some parts and where I was, like, really, like, and it's like uncomfortable. The, and the staff are so wonderful, and they're The staff so was nice. amazing, and a lot of patrons are awesome, but there was really a, there was really a tone in the park where there was a certain clientele yeah. that couldn't give a single F about, yeah. like, other, other people's comfort or, like, following the rules or, yeah. like, wearing a mask. There or, was way too much. Like, just the line jumping is so... The line jumping is really, really so severe at that like park. early 2006 flags. Like, it, it has completely out of, gotten out of And plan. it's weird because, we, generally speaking, when we go to Europe, Parks and we've been to, I mean, hundreds, not hundreds, but like dozens of <laughs> European parks. We've been to hundreds and of parks. And generally speaking, the park clientele, like the park going clientele in, in, in Europe is really clean. Like people are like respectful. keep their distance, like everyone's there to have fun. Like it's yeah. really like a good atmosphere. And this was, I think, the first park I've ever been to in Europe where I like that several times where I was like, like really uncomfortable like I was not having a good time yeah. I really wanted to like not store my shit on the side of the ride yeah. which is also a story they don't allow certain rides for you to take stuff on board with you but there's also no place to store them and yeah. so at one point we thought that our camera bag had yeah, been we stolen our bag was stolen but it was actually a staff member had who put had it in the like, operator booth because to they prevent it from being because stolen because they had seen shipping taken so they were like oh yeah no we had to take it and put it in the booth we because it, it was going to get stolen five times with our SLR camera and so those were a few things where, like, the vibe was a little off when it came to, like, the clientele and, like, how rough they were and how it really seemed, like... I've heard stories of how people rude the they were. pickpocketing there, too. Like, people will always it's warn a little you little bit of about, like, like, getting pickpocketed in Europe, but apparently Park Asterix is a place where that actually happens. So that was, like, and I, I really don't want to... Like, we really had a great visit, and yeah. we loved the rides here. As you can probably tell by, like, the previous hour and ten minutes yeah. of this episode. There's nothing about the park I would really change, except that... I want lockers need, as an option. some... And I want queue jumping control. Yeah, I and want line jumping control. I want the staff to be properly equipped with what they need 
to address these problems. Yeah, and because so the like the parking, I have never seen anyone of staff speaking up to these parties that are clearly violating rules, clearly causing havoc in the yeah. queue. While there is physically staff cleaning trash cans two meters away. Yeah. I'm like, what are we doing? Yeah. I'm like being harassed here. Like, yeah. can we please? The staff I'm needs just, to like, be empowered. I'm just like waiting through the standby queue here because they. Have, I don't want to get line cut. The That's the only thing. Staff are motivated and they're good staff. We had. 100% positive staff. The operations were incredible. But really nice people. Upper management and middle management needs to train. They need they need a method. They need a plan. Or just get security in these queues. Yeah. Like we have American theme parks where like yeah the clientele sometimes really questionable and like line too. Jumping hotlines. And line jumping happens. But at least the American chain parks have addressed it. I have been yeah. at plenty of Six Flags parks where they're secured in the queue. Plenty of yeah. Cedar Fair parks where secured in the queue. And you know what? It works. Yeah. And I'll, that's, that's all I ask for park guys at and this point. And you don't point, have to do like, it every time for Put some security long. in the queue. Get, get a reputation going. X2 used to be line jumping central, and then they started persecuting these people. They and I get it hasn't been an issue since. It, it really hasn't been. Since. Same with Tatsu. Like, they just put one security person yeah, there, and, like, it fixes the problem. And yeah, you, you only got to kick out a couple people. And there's only a few rides where it's really a problem. It's stuff like... I would say that obviously Osiris, we had the biggest problem. Osiris, Tonnerre de Zeus, um, Trasura, and Pagasa Express. They say take those four rides yeah. and put someone in the queue. Get some staff in there. Get, get like, some supervision. Especially because the lines are busy. They're, they're in buildings. It gets hard to supervise unless you yeah. have someone dedicated to it. Um, but that was like incredibly unpleasant. And yeah. that it's funny that someone commented that because we have been warned by yeah. Sven. We have been warned by people yeah, that this was going to be the park, but that was the case. We have been told by people that they like Park Asterix as a park but avoid it because they are exasperated by the other people who go there and I'm like I get that I've felt that way about parks in America but they were this like blows any interaction that we've had with American park patrons out of the water like the level of entitlement and rudeness from some of them and the upstaging like like, like the whole clicks cutting in line together yeah, and like really like, like a, really like, like intimidating other parties you know the uh, poor girls behind like, us they were in shock yeah, the entire like time methodic, methodical like premeditated systemic line jumping of whole parties where like two of them you know cut through part of a switchback and then the and then like one by one the rest of the group like trickles in and before you know it, they've like they cut an hour yeah. worth of queue. So it was really severe. Like, so yeah, <laughs> not to spend a whole ten minutes on it. It was just, just like a really prominent. Like it. And it really gave me whiplash because I don't think that sort of thing ever happens at Disneyland Paris. <laughs> well, the funny thing is that we're like avid Disneyland Paris goers, and we never ever experience any sort yeah. of line jumping or any rude people. Like it's everyone's really so nice. I mean, is it because there's a lot more international people? Probably. I mean, Park Asterix is a lot more of a regional destination, yeah. and then it uh, costs less money to get in. It's hard to describe this, but economic and, like, regional status versus, like, economic or regional status being, like, destination park with lots yeah. of rich people from all these countries versus regional park that costs less to get into. Local. It's the same yeah. in the U.S. Are you going to yeah. have the same problems with Disney or is you going to have at, like, Sickles Over Georgia? Yeah. No. it's no. They're different parks. They're different kinds of clientele, different kinds of you know, at attendees, and there's nothing wrong with that. Um, but it's just that it was a lot more black and white to, between you like still have experiences. To set boundaries with with your with your park patrons, and like, yeah. there needs to be a bare minimum of respect for guidelines. The problem could chaos. could have been resolved by having security in the lines. Yeah. Um, wow, we finally spent way more yeah. time than I ever anticipated. Thanks to this comment online from. Yeah. Um, let's mention Instagram account one more time because yeah. we gave him a ten minute Jasper shout out. Jasper Godus. Response themed horror and questionable clientele. 
Yeah, so... Um, Themed humor. Do, I, do want, I do want to finish this episode, and not, not on that negative note. I do yeah. want to say we had a really great time, and I hope that throughout the episode that was noticeable, that yeah. we really enjoyed it. Some of my favorite rides are there, Hulirik's Osiris. Um, I cannot wait to ride again. We will come back to the park despite our yeah. the shortcomings that we've experienced. We'll definitely be um, back. For- but uh, we'd be lying if we put this whole episode together and you went like hopping over there, yeah. and then a preventable knowledge of line jumpers yeah. could have been in your in your skill set. And now you know that is something you're gonna deal with. And don't constant, don't see conflicting. Yeah. Just fucking deal yeah, with it. Is what I'm yeah, gonna say. One, That's all we one did. Of those things were like if we would, if there wasn't a language barrier we would have probably stood up for ourselves. The two points where I was, like, physically touched and, like, intimidated by these people, that's, that's where I was, like, close to wanting to yeah. speak up and, like, I just stared at them, like, but are you, are you really time, doing this? Like, but I was also, also don't want to, you know, deal yeah, with, I don't want to like, deal with that. Just, you know, want to cut? Go cut. Yeah, we're, <laughs> we're above the... The, the, the like the grade school schoolyard. At that point, I'd rather have nonsense. you quite a bit in front of me yeah. than having to do with point, you anyway. Like, go ahead and get get away from us, even if you're in front of us in line. Like, no, like yeah, if you want to cut, then you know, yeah. get away from me yeah. anyway. Like, I don't want to do with you. I'll wait yeah. an extra train. We're on vacation. <laughs> like, we didn't come here to pick fights with locals. Um, but it just was also like <laughs> we felt very powerless. I just I just felt bad for other people in the queue because these situation. are parks where like teenage kids go here and they're getting yeah. stood up, they're getting intimidated. There was like these two young girls, like girls behind us. There's like kids in high school who are and they're like terrified because like these old groups of adults. Yeah, so that was really weird. I was like, I mean, I can stand my ground if I really have to, and we're just kind of like, well, whatever, you know, like you pass. Like, yeah, this is unpleasant, and I feel intimidated a little bit. Like, what? Why are we doing this? Why am I being touched? But then there's these like actual younger people children teenagers who are there with their friends kids who like go there after school and they like look like really scared and they look like they are being they're being bullied by adults adults. and i'm like come on guys that's like i've never seen it anywhere but park i just can't believe that people are motivated to do this like where does the motivation where where's your upbringing (laughs) yeah like where does the motion motivation come from to like cut in front (laughs) of the door's box i haven't given it much thought the last two weeks but now i'm like like i'm seeing all these flashbacks to like it happening and i'm like god violation that i feel that's so shitty like it shouldn't be like this but it's really it, it, I, I don't want to give the park too much like I wouldn't antagonize the park too much over this it's just that there needs to be a, 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 pl- a method and a plan for addressing this I think going forward um, especially in a time where if, there's like and, COVID and in stuff. the social media era if enough people take issue with it if it happens to enough folks and enough people get bothered about it and it becomes a dialogue it becomes a reputation it becomes something that the park can't ignore um, they may do something about it because that's exactly what happened to Six Flags. It's happened to a lot of other parks in the U.S. where the line jumping got so bad that um, it'll hurt your bottom line. It really will. It'll affect your bottom line, and that's when like corporate parks, like the Six Flags parks, will start to care and say, like, we better do something about this. And, I mean, so much about Park Asterix is so completely wonderful and well done that I, I would expect them to take action at some point if it ever got to a point where it was such an un mistakable un like impossible to ignore like glaring um issue in the park but we didn't let it ruin our day it was something that we we thought about we're like we want to talk about this um because people should know about it going forward people that we care about who were who we're going to recommend park asterix to because it's a great park and we want our friends to go and enjoy it and ride all these rides we're going to tell them like hey you know watch out for conflict in queues because there's going to be probably at least one incident on one of the major rides where like a group of people will overpower you and bully you and maybe even like physically accost you (laughs) just to get in front of you in line and you just need to mentally prepare for that and don't let it ruin your day because we didn't let it ruin ours yeah 
and that's that. But that's I just, that. I just still feel like it was it was our yeah. duty to mention it. Yeah. So. so, but at the end of the day, I mean, just a fabulous park. I can't wait to go back. I'm so excited for the future. Yeah, I'm really excited to go there roster. in like three years from now and yeah. have like two new ride experiences, maybe even three. Yeah. And rewrite some of our favorites. Yeah. And um, it's super conveniently located. It's only 20 minutes Very from um, Charles de Gaulle Whether airport. you're by the airport or by Disney. You're not far from exactly, and um, it, it's really easy public transit to get there. There's buses that run directly yeah. into Paris. There's buses that run to the airport, so it's really convenient. You can, I mean, Ubering it cost us like it was like a 15 Uber, minute Uber, and it was cheap. It was super quick. Um, so we, we generally, so nice. we generally speaking, <laughs> every time I go to Paris, I stay near the airport just because yeah. it's convenient and it's near the flights yeah. and it's near testing centers and it's near yeah. Disney and it's near <laughs> Parc Astérix now. Yeah. So it's like. Um, definitely, definitely a good location. Add it to your yeah. lineup. If um, you're a fan of other Company des Alpes parks um, that you visited, either in your home region or on a, like a trip to Europe, I think this park will be a, a, a pleasant endeavor, and uh, you'll want to spend the whole day there, and maybe and even buy the the philo. Philodomatiques. Philodomatiques. Um, but make sure to bring cash. <laughs> yeah, or buy it online. Or buy it online like a smart person. <laughs> and um, I would say check out thecoastkings.com and check out our Park Arts article. We have lots of pictures, like lots of pictures. Lots of pictures. Um, a, a, a bunch from the sky, which is yeah. cool because, you know, it's a unique angle. And we go into a little more detail about the rides mm-hmm. elements and, like, the theming, and you can really kind of put, like, a picture with everything we talked about today. We don't actually mention any of the line cutting stuff on there. Yeah. Um, I guess we really just... That, that that wonderful Instagram comment kind of brought it all back yeah, up. Like, it was like, oh yeah, this is something we've. At the end of the day, two weeks later, when about. I think about when I think back about the park without like an Instagram comment reminding me of that, I don't even I don't think, think about, about it. it. I think about everything else because I still say I say like, well, that's on them. That's between them and God. It's not about Park Asterix. It's not Park Asterix's fault that people do stuff like that. However, I do think they do bear responsibility in addressing that going forward. It's still not my place to say, like, oh, well, this park is, is bad because they don't handle it. I'm like, no, it's not the park's fault. It would be different if I felt like the staff were not amazing and wonderful and helpful. I just feel like they just need some direction when it comes to things like this. Yeah, there is a problem that they may be so used to that is more shocking to us that they need to start addressing. Yeah, we're, um, we're on the outside looking, looking in, in, and it feels different to us. For others, it might just be like, oh, well, that's just the way it is, and... I would challenge anyone who feels that way to maybe consider that just the way it is maybe isn't the way that it should be. Yeah. But I digress. But yeah, so follow us. Um, Check out our Instagram and TikTok for lots and lots and lots of videos of this park, especially Kuluriks. We post Get like, featured in our episodes <laughs> by following us on Instagram yeah. at thecoastofkings.com and interacting. And, and thank then you to we'll, everyone who answered uh, our questionnaire. We even got if lots, you weren't mentioned. We got lots and lots of answers, um, but these were the ones, the, the four that we featured that spoke on the park's standout rides. And, and then we already have an episode live for Bella Varda. Sorry, we already have an episode okay. live for uh, Bobby Yanlong yeah. and Plops on the Pana. Plops and this is the third one, and we're going to yeah. have um, Efteling, Belavarda, Fantastic London, Sun Paris, all going to be live. And then NicoseKings.com, every Wednesday we release a crown rating, so we yeah, rate a different crown, park. Or not Crystal Crown, but the crown, crown yeah, crown, crown rating. rating. Yeah. That's every week on, on Wednesday, and then on Thursdays we got our episodes till the end of the season. And so we look forward to seeing you on the next episode. Alrighty. Have a great day. Bye.